Uh, welcome one and all to another edition of the Drive Home Call-In Show here on the Canadian Football Countdown. If you're listening to this after the fact in one of our audio feeds, uh, this is a weekly show that we do uh, where I drive home from work and you join me for the drive home while I'm stuck in traffic and listen to me ramble about all of the random CFL thoughts in my head from the past week in the CFL. Uh, and we're going to cover week four, three games this past weekend, all out east. So uh, I know a couple of lucky members of our uh, Discord community have had the chance to go check out all three of them, which is awesome. Uh, two games, not that exciting. One pretty darn exciting game to end off the week, I think. Uh, I think it fell a little bit flat, first of all. Why the heck did they end up? scheduling three days on three games on Canada Day long weekend with a Friday, a Saturday, nothing on the Sunday, and then a game on Monday night. I do not understand. That's just a whack schedule to me. Uh, I would have put a doubleheader on Canada Day. I would have, uh, you know, had all four, had four games going this weekend. Uh, most definitely seems so weird that this is the one where they're doing three. I guess they want to spread it around, you know, Monday, hopefully everybody's home from the, the, the cabin or, or trips or whatever uh, at that time as well. Um, but yeah, weird scheduling quirks. I mean, we could talk about those for an hour here uh, on this drive home as well. But uh, the first game of the week was the Friday night one. The Edmonton Elks, the Ottawa Red Blacks, one of these losing streaks had to finally end. Uh, and, uh, well, it looks like it was the home losing streak for the Ottawa Red Blacks that came to an end because they put up a solid, what was it, I believe 26 to seven victory over the Edmonton Elks. And the biggest storyline I think in this game is just that the Elks QB carousel continues. And I think we're definitively at a point where we can say, I mean, we probably could have said this a while, but Chris Jones, I don't know if he knows what he's doing anymore uh, when it comes to managing his quarterbacks on his roster, because, uh, you know, Jarrett Daggy comes in in this game, looked good in the preseason, looked good in garbage time down the stretch uh, of the week before uh, their game in that one as well. You know, I, I understand, I guess, the reasoning with going with him there, even though I thought Cornelius was pulled prematurely in that game. He had a good passing percentage, not a ton of yardage, but he didn't look bad or do anything to lose them the game uh, up until that point there. But they elected to go with Jarrett Daggy. Did not go well. He just did not look good, did not look prepared. His passes didn't look right. Uh, didn't have the poise in the pocket to, uh, you know, produce very productive game there. Uh, three interceptions, I believe, on the night for Jared Daggy. And now, going into this week's matchup with, I believe, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it is back to Taylor Cornelius at quarterback. Uh, he'll get the start. Daggy will be number two. And Trey Ford finally finds his way back onto the roster as number three on the depth chart. After he didn't even make it last week, and they put Khalil Tate ahead of him after they signed him just the week before. So I don't know what Trey Ford has to do to get back into Chris Jones's good books here. Uh, but to me, that's the biggest uh, the biggest storyline is just that the quarterback carousel continues. And I would love nothing more than Cornelius to now come back in after a week off, light it up, and uh, 
somehow prove me right. I don't know if it's too past. It, it might be too far gone at this point, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I said he was going to be the top uh, fantasy quarterback uh, in the CFL this year preseason. Clearly, that has not looked very good so far. All of my Elks predictions were garbage. Uh, but there's a lot of season left to play, and maybe they can salvage some of it, but it's not looking likely at this point. Uh, you know, Jared Daigie didn't look good. Cornelius hasn't looked great for the most part. Uh, maybe Trey Ford is the answer, but seemingly they don't want to give him the shot to do so right now. I don't know why he was their starter at some point last season. I didn't think he did that bad in that time. Uh, but seems like uh, Chris Jones is just going to keep rotating until something sticks, and I don't know how you ever get consistency. None of these options seem like the guy that are magically going to light it up overnight. This isn't going to be a Bo Levi Mitchell come in and throw for 400 yards in a start type situation. It's uh, it's going to be, you know, you throw a guy in. He's It seems like he's trying to throw a guy in, hope that he makes magic with their plethora of wide receivers, and then he doesn't, so it's okay, now swap it out, here's the next one, which does not seem like it's going to build the chemistry they need, and that's been Jones' big problem in Edmonton, is just rotating his roster there constantly. So uh, a, little bit, a little bit disappointing to see that, but excited that Cornelius does still get another shot here, because uh, I still believe in him to some extent. Uh, we'll see what he does, but uh, on one positive side for the Elks, I mean, Maurice French got into the starting lineup after Eugene Lewis was out on the six-game injured list, and he looked good. He was their best receiver on the night. He was their best receiver in the preseason. If only they would have, you know, added him to CFL fantasy and he would have been a viable, probably $2,500 pick in one of the top value plays of the week, which I did project on the show last week only for them to not add him to it. So uh, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a very disappointing side on that one there as well. But on the other side of things for the Ottawa red blacks, I mean, a good statement game for this team. They hadn't looked good in the first two games either. Uh, and that lost to Montreal, and that lost to Calgary, I believe, were their first two. But this is also a team that's had quite a few injuries. I feel like a lot of their you know, biggest pieces uh, that they brought in free agency haven't really played very much yet. And kudos to them for putting up a, a pretty dominant victory here. Tyree Adams, I thought, didn't look too bad in his first start. Uh, definitely looked better than Nick Arbuckle has looked so far. Uh, and they put up, uh, you know, they put up together a pretty good offensive game plan to just run the ball down the Elks' throats. That seems to be their weakest point on the defense. Demontre Tuggle had over 100 yards rushing. Jackson Bennett got involved for 44 yards on something like eight carries. Uh, we haven't seen really a, a, an Ottawa rushing attack, I feel like, in the last two years that's really been, you know, threatening, I would say, the last one I can remember would be William Powell when he was maybe with the Red Blacks on either his first or his second. I guess last year, last year Powell was in Ottawa, but I feel like did not get too much going there for a while and then got injured. Uh, I would almost go back to maybe Powell in his first stint with the Red Blacks the last time they had a dominant rushing attack that you know really scared me as an as an opponent there. So. Demontre Tuggles looked not too bad in his first two games so far. I like the way they use Bennett there as well. I think that's something they need to use more in their offensive game plan for the Red Blacks. But 
Uh, Tyree Adams gets it done at quarterback, but seems like it's only going to be a short-lived stint as the starter for him because Jeremiah Mazzoli seems to finally be back from injury. Uh, It's not quite as doom and gloom as it seemed a week ago when he still wasn't ready to go out of the bye week, and suddenly they were saying it's going to go week by week. He's back. He's practicing fully. Seems like he's going to start in week number five here for Ottawa. Uh, which I'm very excited to see what that means for this Red Blacks roster here. Uh, other notes for Ottawa, not too often. You're one of your leading receivers in the game. It happens to be your fullback, Marco Dubois. Uh, big touchdown catch for him. His first of his career, I believe, there uh, also. So congratulations to him on that. Uh, Adam, anything going on in the, uh, the chat comments here for us, uh, that, uh, any thoughts or any questions on, uh, Edmonton and Ottawa to talk about here? Oh, let's take a look here. First, we had, uh, a comment from FM fan that says, am I the only one who thinks Trey Ford should get a look at Edmonton in Edmonton in this point? Uh, what do you got there, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, if they're going to keep rotating, you would hope eventually he gets the shot. Like, if they're switching it up every single week and he still doesn't find his way on the depth chart, like, what did he do to Chris Jones or, or like, behind the scenes that we're not aware of that he's not getting a shot or he's not getting traded anywhere? And I, I think it's worth it at some point. I think going back to Cornelius now was the right decision uh, for right now, but if it doesn't work out this time, I think yeah, I think you got to give him Trey Ford a look. And I think the only other question I think I've seen on there, and it was my own actually, was uh, do you think this is must-win time for Edmonton this week? I mean, they got two critical games, I think, coming up here. Uh, FM fam brought up that he hopes that Edmonton doesn't beat his Ticats, but mm-hmm. I think being here against Saskatchewan is just as critical. What do you think? Yeah, a big division matchup there, obviously, as well. Uh, and, you know, it's in, it's still early in the season. I think a lot can happen in the West Division uh, and out East. Uh, you know, some teams have played three games so far, only through four weeks. And you look at the West Division, I mean, Saskatchewan so far has looked much better than expectations. So could it be tough for the Elks to catch them? I mean, Winnipeg and BC, who I think we'd all agree is kind of the cream of the crop out West. Calgary hasn't looked great, though. I think Calgary is a team that's underwhelmed quite a bit. So, you know, there's still a lot of division rivalry matchups to play here where if Edmonton got it together, they could still find their way into a playoff spot. Uh, so I don't think it's must win now necessarily, uh, but maybe it is just for you know, just for morale, just for getting things back on track for a team where seemingly nothing at all is going right here. Uh, is this game, Adam, is this in Saskatchewan or in Edmonton? No, this one's in Saskatchewan. The reason I'm thinking this might be a must-win for Edmonton is if you're going to catch Saskatchewan in the standings, you're going to either have to bypass them if you lose this game or you're, you can't win on a tie then. So. Right. This is the season series. This is a clinching game. If Saskatchewan could win this one, they've got the season series then on Edmonton. So, yeah, and that's right because they did win that one in Week One. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one. That it uh, it could be a uh, a key matchup here for the Elks, and if nothing else, it's just to get things back on track. Just get some semblance of. Uh, a victory, you know, a, a key division rival there in a key game, like you mentioned, you know, if you're off the win there, maybe that leads to momentum 
that what the next game after I think you were saying is the Thai Cats. You know, that's an easier matchup there that maybe they can string two together and get it back on track there for the Elks. So uh, I think it's there's it's not all the end all be all necessarily, but it is uh, a key matchup for them this week for sure. Uh, anything else on the uh, on the Elks and the Red Blacks before we move on to the next game? Got nothing else in the chat here that I can see. Perfect. Move on to the next one here. Uh, second game of the week was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Bombers take this one 17-3 in Montreal. And the uh, story here, it was really the rain delay, I think. The uh, weather delay here. Uh, fun fact, you know, I was out of town this weekend. Pete set the game up on the PVR before I... Uh, went out to get out of town. Didn't have much internet connection all weekend, and uh, but did manage to check in at some point. Saw the weather delay. I always PVR a football game for as long as I can. It lets me set it, which was an hour and a half longer. But as I'm looking, and it's it's two hours after the game started taping before uh, the game starts, and I'm starting to think, oh no, I'm not even gonna. I avoided the score for the past two days only to not even uh, be able to finish watching the game. Thank goodness the Bombers decided that nobody cares about passing the ball in this game. I'm just going to run the ball over and over and over again uh, because it made the game go so quick that it, uh, it still managed to finish with 13 minutes to spare on my PVR. So I did get to watch the entire game, which would have been kind of upset if I didn't. Uh, and it was, from the Bombers' side of things, I think it was a fantastic football game here and well-executed offensive game plan for them. Uh, you know, Brady Oliveira, uh, the past two weeks has been, what, questionable, doubtful in practice with uh, with his thorax injury. Last week, they gave him the ball over and over again on the very first drive. This week, they seem to give it to him all night long, but not quite necessarily at the beginning of the game. Greg McRae entered the lineup because Nick Dembski uh, was out because his uh, partner was expecting baby. And first of all, good on you, Nick Dembski, for skipping a football game for that. That is 100% higher priority, and I'm happy you did so. Uh, and congratulations and all the best to you both. Uh, on uh, I don't know if it's been announced yet, uh, the, the birth of their child, but uh, if, if not yet, uh, hopefully the soon to come uh exciting new arrival and so no nick dembski in the lineup so they slot greg mccray in and we saw him be very productive as a receiver at times last year and kind of rotate in some of those running back packages and he had a couple big runs and big pass plays early in this football game that set kind of the tone for what the bombers were going to run on offense not only that, they rotated Rashid Bailey in also for a couple of sweeps and carries there, which normally don't end up working too well for the Bombers. I find those end arounds, but they got it done this time. They also uh, rotated in Brady Oliveira, who had himself a monstrous game in this one as well. So they didn't get a whole ton going in the passing game, but I thought the offense, you know, even though they only put up 17 points, did look good in this football game. And we're kind of putting together a game where it seemed like they weren't really trying to put a ton of points. They were just trying to run the time off the clock. They knew I had it DVR'd. They knew I needed uh, to uh, finish it within the allotted time there, I guess. 
but it was a, a strong defense and a strong uh, rushing game that really got it done for them uh, in in this one. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, last week against BC didn't look great either. The good old bend but don't break defense for the, for Winnipeg. This week, they didn't even really bend that much. They gave up a couple of big plays. I mean, Cody Fajardo, we know he's going to try to hit Austin Mack, Kyle and Julian Grant on those over and over again. That seems to be the backbone of his offensive passing totals. Uh, but uh, besides that, I mean, Willie Jefferson, he's having, you know, I would say almost one of the best seasons of his career. Surely the start of it here. Uh, he was in Fajardo's face all night long, and it seems that... Uh, I don't know. Maybe Fajardo is just cursed. Maybe he's not meant to uh, have a great game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, it seems, as of late. Uh, it seems like even coming over to Montreal, that can't, that nightmare of facing Willie Jefferson and co. can't escape him there. Uh, they lock it down uh, pretty well all night long. The Riders, not the Riders, I'm still thinking Fajardo. Uh, the Alouettes get a decent drive there going uh, off of a couple of big plays, and then an interception right before the end zone was really the key defensive play that stood out to me on that one to seal the deal for the Bombers. So, you know, the Mike O'Shea, one thing about him is you know he's going to get his squad ready to go for uh, after a loss. They're not going to drop two duds in a row. And after that game against BC, you had to think they were coming for the Alouettes here. And uh, I, I thought they bounced back nicely. It was good to see them uh, bounce back with the game plan and execute it on it as well as they wanted to. Uh, on the other side of things for the Alouettes, I got to give their defense credit. They held the Bombers to 17 points here. They're averaging 16 points against per game this season. I know they played Ottawa. I know they played Hamilton, whose offenses haven't looked great either. Uh, but now to hold Winnipeg to 17 here as well. Hang the Alouettes have a very underrated defense. You look at them on paper, there aren't a ton of names that scream, uh, you know, uh, a defense this good. And I think they're they're finding ways to get it done. And the offenses, you know, fallen flat at times. I I, I think and and could be a little bit more productive there. But and if they do, then uh, you know, together with that defense, they should be. Uh, and I think they will be one of the top teams in the East Division. I would still, at this point in time, still put Montreal as the obvious number two team out East right now. I, I think it's pretty clear that Toronto is the best team in the East and is the best team in the CFL. And I don't think there's much of an argument. We'll get to that yet shortly. Uh, but the Alouettes are definitely the number two right now. And they've performed well so far this season. Uh, didn't get it done here against the Bombers. Tough game for them. Tough matchup for them. But Montreal looking uh, good, despite injuries. I, I think the injuries on the offense, I mean, I talked about this last week. We've talked about this on our regular episodes of the podcast quite a bit. And I think the uh, arrival of Austin Mack has been huge. I mean, he's, he's Cody Fajardo's go-to target. He keeps one-upping himself each week. This week, he put up 115 yards and a few big plays there. Almost had a touchdown catch that did get called back due to, uh, I think they ended up determining that it was dropped, if I remember correctly. And Kyle Julian Grant establishing himself as one of the top receivers in the, on the team as well with over 100 yards there for him. So I uh, am yeah, very impressed with what I what I saw from the Alouettes despite the loss here. Um, uh, the one thing I'll touch on that also came out of this game for uh, from me was uh, a more CFL fantasy 
issues where Austin Mack put up 115 yards uh, through the air and was credited with just 22 of them in CFL fantasy and a point total of 8.5 points when it should have been, what was it, I guess, uh, six catches, 11, 115 yards, uh, 17.5 should have been the point total for Austin Mack. And supposedly for some people, his point total was showing up as such. For others, it was not. So now not only are the stats incorrect, they're also just inconsistent for the same player for different people. What are we doing here, CFL? Like, what is the point? What are we trying to accomplish here? Um, Is my big question because this has gone on for too long. We're four weeks into the CFL season and we still... I uh, don't have an answer for this, uh, and that is just not good. It's not really acceptable uh, to me uh, that we're at this point in time and still have these issues for the stats in, in the CFL uh, a, and the fantasy game. And it's frustrating, and it takes a lot of the joy out of playing a game like fantasy if uh, there's going to be discrepancies like that there. Um, um, well, we have comments and questions in the chat, I'm sure. Unfortunately, I can't really look at them right now because I am on the road and trying to focus on the road. Um, so uh, I see Mike is in the audience. I don't know, Mike, if you're able to come up onto the stage and read some of those comments out to me. I'm here, Ryan. Can you hear me? I can hear you, buddy. How's it going? Oh, not bad. Just got tangled up in a two-hour and ten-minute conference call this afternoon. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful time. Uh, we're talking we're talking Winnipeg and Montreal here. Uh, do you see the chat comments there, Mike? And can you uh, tell me what people are saying? Yeah, I do. Um, not sure the last one that you guys touched on. Um, mainly about Montreal's lack of weapons here, it seems. Um, Julian and Matt, uh, FM fans saying if you shut down Julian and Matt, they have no one else to throw to. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a big one. Well, um, is it seems to just be those two. Uh, like the other op- other guys you have in that offense, Jay Cardi's in there, Ayala's in there. Uh, we've got Cole Speaker. I thought Cole Speaker was going to be one of the biggest names available. Uh, breakout players in this team this year i don't even know if he has a catch maybe two catches this season so far so it's a two-man crew and i think that's leading to efficiencies in this montreal offense so far uh get get some of these guys more involved rotating Walter Hunter in uh, with william Stanback, and that will open up so much more for this yeah and i think too ryan we saw it yesterday with toronto i mean how many receivers and running bats did they use? And I, I think that, that that's also tied to their success uh, yeah, the, as well. The Argos had four running backs on their roster, uh, and all four of them uh, contributed pretty effectively in that game yesterday. So, uh, you know, Montreal, I think, will maybe start using more of their weapons once you get some of those guys back from injury, like an Ellington, like a Reggie White in there as well and we knew somebody was going to have to step up and there were going to be depth issues uh i'm just excited to see mac and kayon julian grant perform the way they're doing 
also too, there's no question in here but I can see uh, as well. So I'll just ask. I don't know, Ryan, if you've touched on the BC game at all. No, uh, yeah, I'm getting there next. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Maybe that's one place where we should start heading and maybe uh, have a little bit of a discussion on uh, Vernon Adams and the six interceptions yesterday. Yeah, let's start there. Let's go there. 24 points on the board for BC, 45 for Toronto. The Argos with the big win in the battle of the unbeaten teams, the only undefeated team left, and the biggest story in this game. First of all, great football game. The other two, eh, they were okay. This one, huge, uh, lots of fun, lots of offense. And uh, the Toronto Argonauts hand it to the BC Lions. Kind of all facets of the game. I mean, Javon Leak had a 90-something yard punt return touchdown. Uh, Trey, was it, no, not Trey Roberson. He's in Calgary. Robertson Daniel, I think, uh, was the uh, massive game defensive back, a couple of interceptions there, a touchdown for him. Uh, I think I saw John Hodge tweeting that he almost is like a couple yards shy of the CFL record for interception return yards in a game. Uh, All facets, I mean, the offense got it done for the Argos as well, but the biggest story is that six interceptions from Vernon Adams Jr. They did not look good on those six throws. Most of them were questionable of where was he even throwing the ball to. And seemed like he was just getting frustrated as the game went along and threw the ball up in the air. And that led to, you know, incorrect decisions from him. And this goes back to this was big play VA that we saw back in his time uh, as a starter and, you know, in other roles previously of so far last year and early this year, he's pretty good as a game manager type quarterback that could stretch the field a little bit. But now he's trying to throw up those big passes. I mean, I don't blame him if you've got guys like Dominic Grimes and Keon Hatcher and Alexander Hollins available at your disposal. But at the same time, you got to make smart passes. A lot of them weren't. And... It didn't look good, and it's kind of reverting back to his old ways, and we'll see how he bounces back from it going forward. Uh, do you know who they play next game, Mike? See? Yeah. Yeah, they're home, to, uh, they're home to Montreal on Sunday. Home to Montreal on Sunday. So what an opportunity for him to show that bounce back against his former team there for Vernon Adams. Uh, it's an interesting stat line. I mean, you would think with six interceptions, he had an awful night and should have been pulled at some point. But at the same time, he threw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. It's not every yeah. day you throw six picks in a game and still have 16 fantasy points and are the second highest scoring quarterback on the week. So, uh, you know, he though some of those picks were a result of trying to stretch the field. Some of those touchdowns and big yardage were a result of it uh, either way. I'll give the Lions credit. It was a blowout loss, but I thought they still had life for a lot of the game. I, I think in this one, they, uh, you know, if you compare this to Winnipeg versus BC the week before, I thought the Lions showed a lot more life than Winnipeg did in their loss to BC. So uh, I, I think it's, I don't think this is a sign of uh, of concern for BC. I think they just beat they just ran into the best team in the CFL in all ways possible and uh, got it handed to them as a result. And I, I think I think VA will bounce back from this as well. But 
Uh, I don't know what you think, Mike, on that six interception. Yeah, it was one of the weirdest stat lines. He ended up with 388 passing yards, which is interesting because on his last interception, if that would have been a completed pass, um, if that would have been a completed pass, he would have been over 400 yards. Um, and it was interesting. It was interesting about VA too, because I I don't know if anybody saw it on the sideline, but he kept putting his hands in front of his face, uh, saying, "Why the heck did I do that?" I just it, it, it's almost like he was saying to himself, "How can I not see that?" Because um, he was putting his hands in front of his face, you know, waving it multiple times, almost like telling himself, "Like, come on." Come on, VA, you can, you're, you're better than this. <laughs> I really think it should be a credit to Ardo's defense, who seemingly this year has found a way to beat uh, teams defensively in more ways than just one. Um, and to, to pivot not too far ahead of tomorrow's live show, but one of my, uh, one of my points of emphasis is the bounce back. For both teams in that Sunday game, uh, Montreal, for obvious reasons, only scoring three points uh, against Winnipeg and BC, trying to trying to avenge the loss, which I fully admit was to probably the best team in the CFL. So, you know, the jury's gonna be out on somebody, and the panic button might be pushed down a little bit harder for the loser of Sunday's game, but. Uh, FM fan Ryan just uh, made in the uh, news here that apparently the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have declared Jake Winnetty out for Thursday's game against Edmonton. Interesting. Okay, so I'm assuming some sort of injury nagging there. Uh, Jake Winnetty being out, honestly... Not a huge loss for the Riders at this point. He really hasn't stepped up uh, early in the season. We expected the bounce back for him and expected him to step up there. And he's been overshadowed by Sam Emelis and Tevin Jones and Sean Bain Jr. And I think those guys can carry the load uh, still pretty fine without him. So, uh, you know, the Riders brought in their big pieces this offseason of Jake Winicky and Darrell Walker. Seems like they'll be without both of them early in this week, but it's those depth pieces that are stepping up big time for the Riders. I want to go back to this Lions game here, though, and I wonder if, in hindsight, uh, it being as, you know, them having that life I just talked about, almost, I hope, doesn't hurt them in the long run, where if a guy's throwing this many interceptions in a game and is clearly down on himself for each one he throws, you would think maybe it's time to uh, you know, swap it out and put Dane Evans in that quarterback. But I think they kept it close enough for a lot of the game, and he was still throwing those big yards and touchdowns where they said, well, no, we still have a chance. We're going to ride it out with VA. And I just hope this doesn't damage his confidence going forward out of this one. Uh, six interceptions. It's not too often you see that in a CFL game or a football game in general. Quite often you see those thrown when I'm playing Madden, but, uh, you know, we, we bounce back from those as well there. Uh, I'm terrible at Madden. Uh, just a side note on that one. Six interceptions every second game, uh, but three touchdowns, just like uh, just like VA. Uh, uh, yeah, the Lions. I think they'll be fine. I'm not concerned with them one bit. 
I also said on our show last week that BC, uh, you know, going on the road out east, I feel like always struggles compared to playing at home. So maybe that played into it a little bit there as well. Uh, but on the Argos side of things, uh, huge day for everyone, uh, really, in that Argos lineup. I talked already about you know special teams, defense, and offense pitching in. Chad Kelly at quarterback, again, not doing anything to hurt his football team. VA had six interceptions. I don't believe Kelly threw a single one. He only threw one touchdown and what was it, something like 230 yards, which is not spectacular, but it was enough to get the job done. And uh, I think it's honestly better for him. Uh, I think it's a perfect fit from this Argos team to have a, a fresh quarterback like that not have to come out and win the game by himself every single week. Uh, it's, it's a full team effort over in Toronto, and it, it involves the running backs there as well, taking some of the heat off of him. You know, AJ Olette left early in the game with an injury. And I'm starting to think from the fantasy standpoint, because let's be real, probably a lot of people like myself put him in their fantasy lineups that, oh, this isn't going to be good. Because he, at one point, I want to say that uh, maybe into the second half, had three carries only on the night. And Andrew Harris didn't have a ton either. It seemed like neither team was really running the ball. But then AJ Olette just had a, a beautiful touchdown run there. Uh, and Andrew Harris piled in some yardage there as well. Uh, you know, they really ran the ball well. They Chad Kelly found his receivers well, played a smart game in this one. Uh, you weren't, you know, that was something I wasn't sure about him coming into this year. Was he would he be able to play smart football, uh, or would he, you know, just be looking for those big plays as well? And uh, seemed like he ran at the right opportunities. I honestly don't know when who beats the, the this Argos football team right now. Uh, I think certainly, I mean, somebody will, somebody always does. Nobody's going to go undefeated. Uh, somebody's going to drop a, a dud of a game or crazy circumstances are going to cause them to lose games or down the stretch once they rest everybody. But if you look at that East division right now, you have to think it's going to be very minimal, uh, opportunities to beat this team and they're going to walk up that east division pretty early on in the in the season i wouldn't be surprised i said it preseason if toronto locks it up by labor day uh out east or i don't think i said that preseason i think i said that week one or two uh and credit to them they have a well-rounded football team not a lot of holes there for them and uh they showed it in this game for sure as they remain the only unbeaten team in the cfl Entering their second bye of the season. What kind of schedule is this where you have two byes in the first five weeks in a nine-team football league? I don't understand. It's weird. It's uh, confusing. It's probably partially due to sharing their their you know their stadiums with TFC there as well. Uh, but the Argos uh, will get another week of rest and remain undefeated for another week. And then they'll have a longer stretch late in the season. But again, at that point, you know, they'll be in a position where they could probably start giving guys rests uh, pretty early on there. Uh, Mike, you got anything to add on BC in Toronto? And also, what are yeah. the people saying in the chat? Yeah, a couple of follow-ups uh, before we go to the chat on some information now, Ryan. Uh, I, I don't know how you do this while you're doing whatever you're doing, but you almost hit the yardage for Chad Kelly right on. He wound up with 249 yards and awesome. one touchdown to no interceptions, finished uh, 23 out of 29. 
The other thing that jumps out to me, despite leaving with injury, AJ Rolot had 14 rushes for 70 yards. Also, the uh, Ardos had six different receivers. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. Six different receivers in the game. No receiver had more catches than Phillips at six. The lowest was split between Kotsi and Unger, who both had two. So everybody, all six receivers fell between the two and six, uh, the two and six reception mark, uh, which is which kind of makes it a little bit of a sort of fantasy nightmare to pit any uh, any uh, Toronto receivers for the fact that you don't necessarily know who's going to have uh, the the ball. Uh, there was also a discussion. Uh, I won't give you the name, Ryan, because I'm pretty sure you can just who put this out there. Back to back, Platinum Parade and the Telly MOP uh, ceremony. Hey, Trey, uh, how's it? Pretty, pretty sure you know who that is. And then uh, FM fans suggesting it was a little bit too early for that um, as well. Uh, and then FM fan with a really good comment that I kind of tried to make last night. Season means nothing. Just got to get in and get on a hot streak. Uh, I, I could get behind that one uh, as well. And then just some, just some statistics uh, as well. Oh, Trey has hopped and, up on it. Yes, Trey. Just to be fair, I did put a gift saying it was a joke after. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I did I did see that. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, what? before you besmirch my Wait. name. But. <laughs> they, they gave you a great cup ring, and now you're just a full-on Argo supporter, aren't you? Oh, 100%. I'm already planning my trip for uh, next banner raising ceremony next year. So. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. I like it. Uh, touch on the a couple of those stats you mentioned there, Mike. Uh, yep, you said sure. you know, let's finish the game with what eleven carries or fourteen? Fourteen, yeah. Fourteen, yeah. That's crazy to me, given that, like I said, he had three carries seemingly throughout most of the game, uh, and so they, I guess, he felt okay. But you could see, kind of, every time he went back to the huddle, that something wasn't looking quite right. And, he just turned it up to another level late in the game to get it done for them there. Uh, also, on the different receivers, you hit the nail on the head with it being a fantasy nightmare. And I was a little surprised to see DeMonte Coxie jump up to, what, the $9,000, $10,000 price range after that, that week two game uh, in fantasy. And so many people jumped on him as the pick. And I said, well, this is the first real starting experience we have with Chad Kelly. Yeah, he threw to him a lot in that game, but that's not necessarily going to mean it's going to be the same every single week going forward. Mm-hmm. And they're going to spread the ball around, and that's why I keep I kept chilling out Cam Phillips as a fantasy player to watch because he was $3,500 in fantasy, and he was going to get some of those catches. And I think you said he had six on the game, so uh, obviously exciting to see that one there. And it will continue, and I still don't think we know who the go-to receiver for Chad Kelly is, and there may not be one this season, which sucks from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, but uh, from a game plan standpoint for the Argos, if you can keep doing that, you can't really you know, 
square in on any individual player in that offense. And it's some of these names, like we talk about the Argos being a well-rounded football team, but uh, really, if you look at who they've got at wide receiver, there aren't any names that are, you know, there's not very many names that are these star pieces uh, on offense there, really. I mean, uh, Devaris Daniels, I would say. Cur- okay, sorry, Curly Gittins Jr. is obviously a star name, but he did miss a game or two there. Uh, Devaris Daniels looked good in the past. But you got guys like Cam Phillips, DeMonte Coxie. Uh, etc. that have shown promise but aren't necessarily that those star pieces and it's just you know these guys that are you know not the top upper echelon in the league but still good quality players all working together to get it done seemingly for the Argos here. I I think the same Ryan could be said for BC like I'm just looking at those statistics I mean Keon Hatcher went off with a couple insane catches uh, eight of them for 104 yards and a touchdown but you have to look at it. Their receiving core from last year, like a, you know, Brian Burnham, Lucky Whitehead. You know, those guys haven't been around much this year. Burnham, obviously, you know, you're not around. I mean, the only guy really that had an impactful year last year, but but doing things is Dom Rhymes. I mean, you know, you you're getting names like Justin McInnes, uh, Holland, uh, Tatoy. You know, Mizell is a nice piece out of out of the backfield. I know one thing, I was a little bit skeptical on BC, you know, with some of the receiving pieces that they were losing. Uh, and then the, the swap at quarterback, obviously. And for me, quite honestly, through four weeks, the jury's still out on all of that. But they're cautiously and quietly surpassing even my own expectations. Yeah, and I, I agree. That is the Lions. You know, there's a couple teams in the CFL. The Lions are surpassing my expectations i think the alouettes i said earlier for the most part have been as well so of the riders uh and obviously some teams like the elks uh are uh, very much uh lower than my expectations for them uh well i am just arriving home so i think this is gonna wrap it up for the drive and call and drive home call and show uh, anybody got anything else to add here before i close this out uh no, I don't see much of anything. Uh, I had one question for you, Ryan, but I'm going to push that to tomorrow night to make sure that people tune in for our show tomorrow night. Sounds good. Then we'll wrap it up here. This has been another edition of the Drive Home Call-In Show uh, here on the Canadian Football Countdown uh, bonus content. Uh, if you want to join us live for this show every week, hop into the CFC Discord. It's in the episode description. Catch this also uh, on the uh, podcast audio feeds after the fact as well. Uh, and stay tuned Wednesday nights, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time for our preview shows. Uh, we'll go through uh, storylines, fantasy players to watch, and our betting picks. Uh, try to get back on track with those this week. And uh, that's coming up Wednesday night, so look forward to that. Uh, thanks, Mike, for moderating. Thanks, Adam, for moderating earlier. Trey, for chiming in here a little bit as well. Uh, and anybody who tuned in along the way. And we'll talk to you again uh, Wednesday night on the uh, Week 5 Preview Show. Take care. Have a good one.